to be in the presence of the Lord. He is here because we're here. And we have gathered together in his name. And his promise is that he is here. And we're thankful that we get one more, one more opportunity right now to worship him, thank him. Why don't we prepare our hearts tonight? Ask the Lord to, to help us clear our, clear our mind, clear our thoughts, that we can praise him and give him what he's worthy of. Lord, we're here tonight. We're in need of you, in need of your help, your strength, that you'd help us focus on what you have set before us, the table that you've set before us, God, that we would clear our mind and rid our life tonight of everything that would cause us to miss out what you've set before us. Lord, your promises are yes and amen. And we believe tonight that you will do a work like you always do. We pray, God, that you would release your healing virtue, that you would release revelation, God, as we prepare our hearts, as we prepare our focus to magnify your name. God, we come into this house tonight and bring the sacrifice of thanksgiving, Lord, that it would be pleasing to you. Let it be a sweet aroma to you tonight. We offer you praise, God, and we humble ourselves and we seek your face and we turn from our wicked ways. Hear us from heaven, O Lord. Bring healing and forgiveness into this place tonight, into this sanctuary, God. We have come here to meet with you, Lord. And this meeting is in vain if we don't meet with you, Lord. And so we need your presence. We want your presence. We want you, Lord, to release your ministering angels, God, to come to the rescue of your people, to bring strength, oh God. We believe tonight your word declares to us that you uphold all things by the word of your power. Hold up your people tonight in the hour that we're living in. God, we need your strength and we need your boldness and we need your voice to be clear to us, God, so we we rid our mind and hearts from any voice that opposes you, God. We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves tonight in your presence. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to present your offering to the Lord. We're going to worship him for a, for a little while here. We just stand all over this house and lift up your hands to heaven. God, we worship you tonight. Up your name, Jesus. We worship you, God. Holy, holy, holy is your name, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. For oh, there's just something about that.
but there's something about say that again say there is something oh say that again say there's something about that name and we exalt the name of the Lord right now. We exalt you, Jesus. We exalt you, Lord. We praise your name. Oh, you're so worthy of praise. I honor you tonight, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
We exalt you, Lord. We exalt you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. The Lord is worthy to be exalted. I love Him tonight. I love the Lord tonight. Amen. We're going to go ahead and uh, prepare to dismiss for the children's uh, play practice. The rest of y'all may be seated. We're going to be looking into Romans chapter 7. So many things that Paul says in this chapter that I myself can relate to. And maybe some of the things that you hear tonight or you see on the screen will trigger something in you that will will allow you to see that it registers with you as well. That's what's so wonderful about the Word of God. And uh, verse 1 says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Now, the last several scriptures in Romans chapter 6 sets us up for this, for this chapter here. Verse 15 in chapter 6 says, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Then he goes on to write about the sin that that, uh, that is in our sinful nature, the wickedness, the... Uh, the bondage, and how if we yield ourselves to that sinful nature, we become slaves to that sinful nature. And, and then the very, very last scripture in that chapter, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And, and so Paul begins the very first chapter, or the very first verse in chapter 7 with, how the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. What he's saying is the law has dominion over a person who is still in their unregenerate state. 
And we will talk about this more throughout this chapter. But in our last study, I mentioned how Adam lost his dominion because of his disobedience. And through his disobedience, all of us inherited a sinful nature that will be with us until the end. As long as a person's sinful ways are alive, the law has dominion over them. Paul uses an analogy about marriage to explain the difference between the law and grace, which also is the first covenant and the second covenant. So he he begins talking making these comparisons with these these two covenants. Verse 2, For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. For the woman, now this, this applies to all of us. And I've, I even read that some, some see this as in the old covenant, the woman represents the inner, the inner man, and the husband represents the law, the sinful nature. And so the woman applying to us in the old covenant is is like this person who is uh who is um oppressed by this by this husband this sinful nature this law and it's it's bound uh, the scripture says is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth and we can see the the, the pattern in the Old Testament of how there was such bondage in the Old Testament. They just, they couldn't, they couldn't gain ground. They would move forward a few steps, but they would fall back. Or, and they would get into bondage. They would just, you can see them just embrace everything that came their way. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. Before a person is born again, they are still bound. They are still bound to their first husband. It's going to sound strange to you tonight when we talk about this. The only way for a person to be released or to be loosed from that bond is through the death of that husband. See, death breaks the dominion the law or the first husband had on us as as sinful people the law is something that we cannot measure up to it's the closer we get to it the further it goes from us because in our sinful state we can add nothing We can do nothing. Verse 3. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. 
But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Paul makes it plain in this passage. If you if your first husband is still alive, but you try to marry another, it's adultery. In the first marriage, Israel had no power over temptation, and that's still the same case for today. It's still true today. We have no power over temptation within ourselves. If our flesh wanted something, it reached out and grabbed a hold of it without any thought of what it might do to us. There are times that we reach out for things that will bring devastation onto our path. And when we pull that thing into our world, we won't realize what we have done until we see the fruit of our choice. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 8 says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Our first marriage was full of sin, and we had no control over it. Our first husband dominated us. It was the law, our sinful nature. It dominated people, and it's still dominating people. You, you see our world making excuses for everything, everything that happens. There's always an excuse for it. There's always a reason why sin takes place in a person's life, and, and the reality is they have no control over it. It is in their life, it is a place that they need rescue from. It's, it's a place where they are being dominated. And under his dominion, the dominion of the, the old nature, the dominion of the law, the husband, uh, we wrecked our life trying this thing and reaching for that thing. And even those around us experience the fruit of it. How many, how many families have been affected by a drug addict? I know that I, when, I was, when I was on drugs, I know I did some terrible things. And it affected everyone around me. It affected my family. And it's not just drug addicts. It's people who have a, a lust for, for money. It's a people who have a lust for power. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's people that have no control, and they'll, they'll reach for whatever their desires are. But when we realize what we had done and, and the mess that we created, we wanted out and we wanted change. We wanted to hit the reset button. We wanted a different husband. I want out of this marriage. But the first one had to die. The first husband had to die. Because you can't remarry while the first husband 
is still alive. This is what Paul was saying. And using this analogy, and it's a, it's a beautiful analogy when we consider, when we consider that the church is the bride of Christ. And he's coming back for a, for, for a bride who hath made herself ready. He's coming back for a ride without, a bride without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a holy can't hold on to the things that you liked about the old marriage. My first husband gave me whatever I wanted. For example, if you wanted something, you went for it. Even if it wasn't all that bad and he said nothing about it. You didn't have to hide it. Now, when you when you look into the marriage of, of you and I and being married to Christ, we tend to hide our mistakes, don't we? In the old marriage, you didn't have to hide it. You could just live as, you could live as lavish as you wanted to. You could do whatever you wanted to. You could... You can go wherever you wanted to go. There was, there was no control. There was no self-control. You could do it all if you wanted to. In this new marriage, you have to watch for those same patterns to resurface in your life because you have a new husband. He has a different plan for you. He doesn't want you to get what you want. Because he knows what you want will destroy you. We must deny. We must deny our sinful nature, the things it would want to reach for. And these are part of the vows in this new marriage. When you repent, you are making a vow to your new husband that you won't let your old, you won't let your old ways resurface. Because that old marriage is dead. Verse 4 of Romans 7. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, but we should bring that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Because I have been buried with Christ, I can be married to Christ. Because the old union that I was in, the old marriage that I was in is dead. It's finished. It's in the grave. The bond is broken and now I am able, I am free to marry another. Are you thankful that at, at, at the confession, at the place of repentance, and at the, the baptism in the name of Jesus, where you're buried with him in baptism, that that bond that had you in your sinful nature, that had dominion over you in your sinful nature has been killed. It's dead. If I am united with him in his death, I'm no longer bound to the law of that marriage that was leading me to death and destruction. 
I can now be resurrected into this new life and new marriage and my fruit should not look like it came from the old marriage. In this new marriage shouldn't have old fruit. You know, the kind of old things where you, you still, you're still fighting. You're still fighting to say, but I want this. Listen, uh, there's, there's just some dangerous, d- dangerous places that people arrive at when they, when they think they've heard from the Lord and they know His will and they have not heard from Him. Because I believe people can convince themselves that they know what the will of God is without actually asking Him. You know what that is? That's an old pattern from the old life that says, you know what, I want this, and I want that, and I want this, and I don't want to die, I want to live. I want to go after what my heart's desire is. Before, what I wanted, I got. But listen, death was my destination because I was under the law. Now, I don't get what I want. I want what he wants. And my destination is eternal life. It's in this new marriage I can bear the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because I'm no longer under the law. I am led of his Spirit. And Galatians 5.18 says, But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. If you want your old marriage, you will get the end result of that marriage. But what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Yes, a person can experience a few temporary moments of a pleasure, a short season of bliss, but the end is death. If you follow the old ways and you desire to be in the old marriage, the old union, what you will get is death. But if you're willing to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus, what you get in return is eternal life. And I want to live in a way that declares uh, that there is a place prepared for his people. And when he comes back, he's going to be looking for a holy wife. If you let your first husband control your life, you will die. But if you let this new husband lead you, you will live. True repentance is is standing before the Lord and saying, I don't want anything that I had before. I don't want anything that was attached, that was associated to my old life or my old husband. Verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. 
when we were controlled, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires, they were, they were working within us. And, and what happened was the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. I know some of this isn't going to make sense, but before the end of the service, I believe God's going to help somebody, help somebody see some things that maybe you haven't seen before. Paul writes about these, uh, these, this harvest. He, he writes about the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, and cleanness lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envians, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. When a person follows their sinful ways as they do in their first marriage, this is the fruit of it. And here is the result. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The end result of the first marriage is a life separated from God. Now, are you thankful that a Savior came? Thankful that a man came to stand in in your place and pay a debt you would never be able to pay. And he, he gave us an opportunity to step into this place of sonship the, and walk this path of sanctification and stay with him and deny, deny our sinful nature's desire to want to return to the place of bondage. Inside of us is a war. Inside of us there is this desire to want sinful things in our life. And we would be fools not to recognize it. You can't avoid it. You can't ignore it. You must crucify it. But in this new marriage, we are free from the law that had dominion over us. In this new place that God has created for us to walk in, the the dominion that that old life had over us has lost its dominion. Verse 6, Romans 7, 6. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. The law had power over us. It did not give us the power over sin but the knowledge of the law aroused sinful desires in us. We did not know what sin was until the law. But the knowledge of sin causes sin to come alive within us. Does that make sense? I'm getting some question marks over here. Until we recognize the difference between right and wrong, we do not know sin. But when the law comes to us, something inside of us says, oh, what's that? 
You know what agitates people in our world? When you talk about the Lord. Why? Because when you talk about the Lord, what they hear, what they hear is law. Oh, and you can't tell me how to live my life. You can't tell me what to do. You know what that is? That's that old marriage. That's the pattern of that old marriage. It says, oh, you can't tell me. I'm in control of my life because, oh, the scripture reveals every man is right in his own eyes. That's the old, that's the old nature. That's what has to die. That's what has to die. In this new marriage, none of us are right. He's the only one right. And we have to take all of our cues and all of, our, and all of the things that happen in this new marriage from him because we, we don't know. We don't have a clue. If we have a clue, it's going to mess everything up. If we have something to say, it's going to be the wrong thing to say. If we have something to do, it's going to produce the wrong fruit. So we got to serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. What we couldn't see in ourselves, the law brought it out. So it takes the law to bring out what's wrong in us. We can't avoid it. The law is given to us that we should know what's within us. Sin is a silent killer. It lurks in our life, but his commandments, what what do his commandments do? They expose our sinful nature. That's why when somebody preaches the word, something inside of you says, Oh, ah, you, you resist it, you fight against it. But what we need to do is surrender to the word because what our sinful nature wants to do is say, I'm not going to surrender. I'm going to resist. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know that inside me there would be a desire to worship other gods that would make graven images and bow down to them and serve them and take the name of the Lord in vain. I wouldn't know that inside me there is a war and I could have thoughts of murder, stealing, bearing false witness and coveting what my neighbor has. I wouldn't know it was possible for this to be in me without the law. Verse 8, but sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. The law showed us what is right and wrong or we wouldn't know. There must be an absolute truth in this universe or what governs our lives. What rules our lives and how do we... How do we, how is there order in society without law? How is there order in the kingdom without law? There must be a law or there is no confrontation. If we are lost, we need to know why that we're lost. And the law reveals that. But when the, when the commandment came... When it came forth, our sinful nature used the commandments to promote evil desires. 
Why? Because when we heard about coveting and we heard about lust, uh, something inside of our lives, our sinful nature came to life and said, that's what I want. I want the lust. I want pride. I, I want, I want the, the, the things the things that I'm not supposed to have. Why? Because that's what Adam released into the world. Brother Bernard states, first, law reveals hidden sinful desires that we would not otherwise recognize as sinful. Second, when law confronts the sinful nature, it can actually provoke more sin, the well-known forbidden fruit syndrome. The more something is forbidden, the more we desire it. And that's, that, that, sure is a, that sure is one of the characteristics of human nature. Oh, I'm not supposed to be doing that. How many kids in our world are doing things they're not supposed to because they know they're not supposed to do it? And it's not just kids, it's adults. Right? Because it's a sinful nature. It's a nature that we have in our own lives. And it's not going to go away. It has to die. Verse 9. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandments came, sin revived and I died. I was alive until the law came. But when the commandments came to me, oh, there's something inside of me that was revived, but something died. Before we understood that we were sinners, we had no idea of sin. As innocent children, we did not know about right or wrong, but at some point we started lying, cheating, stealing, coveting, and creating and worshiping our own gods. And the very commandments that were supposed to give life showed me death working inside. Verse 10 And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. Verse 11, for sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me. And by it, slew me. Sin, sin in my life, found a way to deceive me and use the commandments to lead me into bondage. To lead me into my own demise. Verse 12, wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Everything God said is good. His law is good. But why does it produce death in me? Why is it that the the commandment caused, caused sin to be revived in my life and death from that? Verse 13. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. How could we recognize our own sinful nature without recognizing sin? And if, and if the law, it takes the law to reveal sin to us, then we need that first. 
we need to recognize the dominion of that first husband in our lives so we can, so we can understand what Jesus uh, did when he came to this earth and walked this earth. The first covenant, the first, the first covenant led us to Jesus. Why? Because it didn't give us power over sin, but there is one who gave us power over sin, and his name is Jesus. And if we want power over sin, we got to be walking the path of sonship. The holy commandments showed me what was unholy, working in me. His law showed me how unholy I really am. Verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. How many, how many of you can recognize that you have experienced moments like this where you, you, you try to do the right thing, but you always end up doing the wrong thing? You know what that is? That's that sinful nature. That's that old way. That's, that's, that's the product from that old marriage that is supposed to be dead in the grave. I've been united with Christ, and so God has given me this time to step into the newness of life and establish new patterns that, that will allow me to walk above the law. Not above the law as in I, I can do whatever I want, to, but above what men of old could not do. It's like without the spirit of Christ inside of them, they hit a ceiling that was the law. Oh, but with the spirit, we can step into it and we can be obedient as we are led by the spirit. We're not under the law. Why? Because the Spirit of God is writing it in our hearts. He's writing on the tablets of our He's writing it in us. And He is leading us. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual. It's good. The law is good. The trouble is with me. The trouble is with you because we're humans and humans are slaves to sin because that's what Adam gave us. And that's why we that's why the last Adam came and he gave us something the first Adam took away. The first Adam took dominion away. And mankind became slaves to sin. But the last Adam came to bring deliverance from sin and to give men dominion over sin. What's Paul Paul's, Paul's saying in this? Uh, he's talking about the struggle, the internal struggle. He, uh, he, I don't, he, he's saying, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree. I agree that the law is good. If I know that what I'm doing is wrong, it shows that God is good. And His law is good. And His commandments are good. And I am just far from what is good. 
So I recognize that in the midst, in the midst of all this, I'm the one. I'm the one that's, uh, that's suffering. I'm the one that's in bondage. I'm the one. I, I just need to get, to, I need to get back to that place where, uh, where I surrender my life to the one who is good. Because Paul's saying, I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin. It is sin that's living in me. There's this internal war. There is this division in our life. Part of us wants to be saved and part of us wants what we want. Part of us wants to, wants to go back to the old bondage because there were moments of pleasure in it. But the reality is every time I think about that old life, I should consider, I should consider what that old life was leading me to. Verse 16, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Verse 17, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Verse 18, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which I, I, I don't know how to do it. I can't do it. Something has to happen. Something has to change. I need something else other than what I, I have. I can't, in my own hands, I can't reach for it. In my own ability, I can't reach for it. But what God has did, he's given provision for it. He's given me an avenue that I can walk in and receive everything that I need that will lead me out of this bondage. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. I can't find in myself how to do it. Verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Verse 20, now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. What's Paul saying at the very end of this passage? I'm going to serve one or the other. Uh, with, with my flesh, I'm going to serve sin. With my flesh, I'm going to serve uh, the law of sin. But with my mind, with my inner man, I'm going to serve the law of God. And so there is this great uh, predicament here. Inside of me, there is a desire to have two gods. Inside my sinful nature, 
I want to create my own gods and make my own path and make my own way. But inside I know it's not going to fulfill. It's not going to satisfy. It's not going to give me the results that I think it'll give me. It's going to give me death. Oh, but it's still strong. And it's still what, what it wants. It, it, it still goes after everything that, that, that it desires. And it still wants to rule my life. Your sinful nature wants to conquer you. It wants to rule your life. It wants to dominate you. And Paul said, this is such, this is such a great predicament that we are in. How are we going to do this? How are we going to get out of this? And it's going to come through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's going to come through the man Christ Jesus who created this opportunity for us to be adopted into his family, into his kingdom. Let's stand. Can we lift our hands and ask the Lord to help us, to help us recognize, help us to recognize anything that opposes him, anything that, uh, anything that would cause us to look, look behind us and, and lust for the days where we had a different husband. But if we can surrender our will and say, Lord, I'm married to you. I'm married to this cross. I'm married to the name. I carry it. I wear it. I want to be led of your spirit. And so I choose to deny myself, take up my cross and follow you so I can be led by your spirit. Lord, you will not lead us into bondage. You'll lead us away from the bondage of our old, our old ways, our old identity. And we are new in you and we can walk in the newness of life and we can establish new patterns God I, I pray for your help for revelation for strength Lord that you would help us recognize our old ways so we can make sure that we are denying them that we are crucifying the flesh that we are defeating that old nature through the power of your spirit because we can't do it without you. We can't do it without your spirit. We must use the power of your spirit to conquer the deeds of this body, of this sinful nature. and Give us discernment to recognize our old ways, Lord. Help us to recognize the ways that, that sin tries to deceive us. The sin in our life tries to lead us into captivity. Oh, God, help your people. Help your people. Thank you, Jesus, for your help. Thank you for your help, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love and appreciate you all. And the Lord is going to help us. He's going to help us live a life of victory. And I know 
Listen, I, I, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to come, from, to come from the darkness and to try to fight all of those old things, all of those old things that, uh, that, that, uh, that have been working in us, in me. And I, I, I wrestled. I wrestled with things early on and got victory over things. But you know what? The victory isn't just a, a couple years of fighting. The victory, the only way that we're going to walk in victory is if we never stop fighting and we never stop crucifying the flesh and we never stop denying the flesh we must deny it to the last day of our life that's how we're going to walk in victory is if we recognize that oh what I used to let myself get away with I can't do that in this new marriage I can't do this in this new marriage because I don't want to commit adultery I don't want to commit spiritual adultery while I'm supposed to be married to Jesus while trying to be married to my old life. I'm committed for Him to rule and reign over me. Thank you, Jesus. Let's remember our service on Sunday. Let's come ready to pray, ready to seek God's face, and ready to let Him do a work in us. Let's remember our our uh, festivities. Yeah. Festivities. You guys excited about the festivities? Food, of course. I should have said food a while back. I might have got us a little. God bless you all. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.